Welcome to Mark Week in Review for the week ending October 30th, 2020. I'm Chris Kyle, and today I'm joined by Senior Investment Strategy Analyst, Alex Kuzley. Given our time difference, Alex, I suppose we'll say, happy Friday. Hey, Chris, happy Thursday afternoon to you too. Yeah, thank you. Now, while a number of us globally are heading to a Halloween weekend, I know many thoughts are elsewhere, which the markets have made very clear this week. So today we'll be covering a breadth of topics ranging from what to expect as we head into election day, effects on the market given the rising COVID cases, and thoughts regarding the CCP's five-year plan as unveiled just recently. Now, Alex, let's start with what's on many of our minds, Election Day. The likelihood of a blue wave reached its peak around this time last week, but it's since tapered somewhat. What are you seeing as we head into the final days, and what can we expect on or following November 3rd? Yeah, Chris, I think that's perfectly, perfectly right to summarize that we have seen that likelihood of the blue wave come down a little bit. And as a result, we've seen markets become a little bit more jittery. Of course, on the aside, and we'll talk about this later, is the resurgence of COVID cases in the US and uh, more concerningly in the in Europe. But in terms of the, the, the volatility that we've seen, I think it's really worth reminding everyone that we saw something similar in the week leading up to the 2016 election. So we saw equity markets falling in that final week beforehand. I think the one thing for me globally when I'm looking at equity markets that's interesting is we've really seen um, the, the US equity market underperform, we're recording this as of Thursday, uh, underperform global equities with EM and Japan doing quite well and Europe being hit by that uh, those COVID cases. In terms of our positioning, the way that we're thinking about the world, we still think that the non-US equity market provides a better opportunity than the US, um, you know, even regardless of what happens with the election. I think the really important thing, and this point has been made before in previous market week reviews, is that the election is very interesting and will present some volatility most likely. But when you think about the more important drivers of the economies that we are in the early cycle of the recovery, uh, and there are some promising developments on vaccines. And so we probably, we think that any volatility that is thrown up as a sign of, or, you know, as markets start to panic, uh, in response to the election result, we think would provide a little bit of an opportunity to add a little bit of risk um, to those non-US markets in particular. Now, of course, anything can happen on election day and the polls and betting markets are pointing to Biden. But, you know, I think 2016 was a good example that there can be surprises. And if we think about what a blue wave could entail for markets over the next 12 months, I think the most likely um, observations that we have or expectations that we have is that we would probably see a, a slight increase in interest rates given the amount of stimulus that a democratic administration is looking to do. Uh, and then that should provide a bit more support to those cyclical parts of the market, um, such as value stocks and non-US stocks, which would be supportive. Certainly momentous time. And I know one that our senior investment strategist, Paul Eidelman, will be speaking to next week as we discuss post-election landscape in full. Now, switching gears, and you have touched on some of this already, is the sharp uptick in COVID cases around the world. Now, while that's not unanticipated, our fears of another outbreak are certainly becoming more confirmed. Um, can you express some more, I guess, comments on market action and maybe how Russell's positioned for some of the volatility? Yeah, so the resurgence uh, in Europe is probably the most concerning. And as I mentioned earlier, European equities have really underperformed uh, through this week to date. Um, through the way we've had announcements that both Germany and France will be going into a form of lockdown. Um, France's is more severe uh, and potentially more damaging to the economy, while what is happening in Germany is that they're focusing on bars and nightclubs, which is similar to some of the 
restrictions that we've seen in some of the states in the United States. And as you know, as I think has been noted in previous microeconomic reviews, we've still seen the economy grow through that. So the one in France is concerning Germany a little bit less. On the other side, though, of the, of the COVID cases, I, the, the more positive side is what we're seeing around vaccines. And there are a couple of developments that I think are worth highlighting. Firstly, Pfizer, who is one of the leading contenders at getting to a stage four trial, um, their data looks like it might be delayed a little bit, but it still should be in November. And just today we saw from Moderna that they are on track to have their interim data in November. And what this would mean is once that data is delivered is that they would both be able to go for a an emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration, which would be, be encouraging. And then the final thing, so once you know we have the vaccine development and they go into production, you have to have the purchases, uh, is that GlaxoSmithKline and Sanofi will provide 200 million doses um, of their vaccine to the World Health Organization's Global Immunization, immunization Program, um, which is aiming to deliver 2 billion doses by the end of 2021, particularly to those uh, countries that are more fiscally constrained and don't have uh, the ability to pay for those um, vaccines, which, with again, you know, so these are encouraging developments. In the short term, the COVID cases is concerning, but we are still encouraged by what is happening with the vaccines. Oh, yeah, certainly. And between vaccine hopes and the election, I know November and the months preceding are definitely going to be exciting with a lot of activity. Now, for the last point, Let's touch on the Chinese Communist Party, which just released their 14th five-year plan earlier this week. What are some of the broad highlights you've noticed as it pertains to the CCP's anticipated economic growth and perhaps global relations? Yeah, so we've got sort of the the highlights and a couple of the early reports, but we're going to get the full report or the details to the National People's Congress meeting in March. But what we do know is that when we look at the challenges that the Chinese government is facing, there are essentially four There is the reliance on foreign technology, there is income inequality, there is inadequate social security coverage, and there is pollution. And the five-year report, from what we can see, is really trying to address all four of those issues. Uh, I think in broad terms on the foreign reliance on tech, this the reliance on foreign tech, sorry, this isn't a new issue. Uh, This is something that the Chinese government have been looking at. They've been encouraging uh, and supporting their semiconductor manufacturing they're still quite far behind the leaders like Taiwan Semiconductors, um, but they are putting that money towards that. On the income inequality and inadequate social security, we've seen moves already from this. I think what we will see is a more a, a greater push towards boosting domestic demand. Uh, and one of the terms that has been co- popping up a lot in the Chinese media and from uh, comments from officials is this idea of dual circulation. So China has been very reliant on an export-led growth model uh, and what they want to do is move into more domestic demand, so encouraging consumption, reflecting more what you see in developed countries where consumption is a key driver. So what we probably will see is some more forms of stimulus um, tied to trying to encourage people to spend money, reduce the higher savings rate. Uh, and get that that transition away from capital and export-led growth into more domestic demand. On the pollution, uh, China have been putting a lot of money into green energy, and I think that trend is just going to continue. So all in all, they've done quite a lot of stimulus um, to date. Uh, It's coming off a little bit, particularly on the monetary policy side, but we think that the Chinese economy is still going to, still has some pretty strong growth prospects over the next 12 months. Alex, many thanks for your comments, and I'll commend your brevity given the substance of each topic covered. I look forward to speaking with you next time. You too. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, of course.
So we have quite a week ahead to our viewers. We hope you stay safe and be well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.